This episode of the BJJ Campaign Podcast is brought to you by Speed Pro East Bay in Alameda, California, in the heart of the San Francisco Bay Area. They're the source for premium visual solutions to spruce up your interior space. From window decals and wall murals to conference room graphics and directional signage, create a work environment that is tailored to your brand. They'll not only print your custom graphics, but do installation as well. Visit eastbayspeedpro.com. That's E-A-S-T-B-A-Y-S-P-E-E-D-P-R-O.com. And mention the BJJ Campaign Podcast for 15% off your first order. Also, Eddie is a jiu-jitsu guy, so folks go out there and support him. I'm about to feed him to the sharks right now. Get him hyped right now. Yeah. You know the ground is up. Yeah. Everybody that trains, you know the game. Yeah. So let's get it. Uh. Slap it up, bump it, and roll. Hey. Yeah, that's the way that it goes. Ain't no better way to better yourself in this game. You're feeling the growth. That's, that's time on the mat. We put in the work. Believe it ain't easy, I know. You know. But we train for the love of the game, the love of the art. Now slap it up, bump it, let's roll. Let's roll. Welcome to episode 50 of the BJJ Campaign Podcast. My name is Jeff Boone. I'm an A3, blue belt, two stripes. Phil Kors, A2, blue belt, one stripe. AJ Klingerman, W2, purple belt, one stripe. James Klingerman, A2, black belt, three stripes. So we were just talking a minute ago because I was thinking about the introduction and I was like, James hasn't even gotten a single stripe since he was on the podcast that last. That is true. <laughs> and I have made I, no Neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> so then I realized I have no idea how it works. How do the degrees work for a yeah, black belt? Yeah, so actually somebody at the cafeteria last night asked about the same thing. Um, really, like black belt's it, right? Like even with the coral belts and the red belts, it, it's all considered degrees of black belt. Um, so... Black belt degrees are just time in basically, right? So like you get your black belt three years later, you get your first degree three years later, second, three years later, third, five years later, fourth, five years later, fifth. And then I believe it goes up to like seven and then at some point 13 in between stripes. Wow. Um, so I've had my black for 12 years uh, coming up in like two months. Interesting. So so you're at the three three three. Five now. Yeah. So two more years, I'll be a fourth degree. Okay. Um, And now, you know, like obviously somebody could get their black belt, never train again, and technically just kind of hang out and chill and, you know, get, get promoted. Um, you know, me personally, I do jujitsu. So, you know, like I'm constantly trying to learn, I'm constantly training, I'm, I'm still competing, you know? So, um, I, I, I feel like I have to be on the mat doing things, continually improving in order to deserve to get that stripe when it comes along, you know? Yeah, totally agree. And on, on those lines, you, you know, you are always doing jujitsu. We love, that's what we love about you guys. And, um, so I'd like to hear from both of you, the secret to longevity. Obviously I'm as an older grappler myself, you know, I'm very conscious of how I train, what supplements I use, what I put in my body as fuel, those types of things. What, what are some of your tips and tricks and maybe even, what are some of the things that you would recommend not to do that you've made mistakes in the past with? Oh man, my whole jujitsu training has been nothing but mistakes. <laughs> Just go hard. No, no, no recovery Everyday ever. <laughs> Everyday <whatever>. pojada. <laughs> uh, no. So like 
AJ and I, we eat pretty clean. Like we very rarely eat red meat. You know, we don't really do dairy. We don't drink alcohol at all. Like, you know, no drugs or anything like that. Um, uh, lots of water. Water is way more important than people give it credit for. <laughs> um, but something we've kind of recently started doing is slowly integrating yoga, like a lot of stretching. Um, and then, you know, the, the, hopefully we'll be doing more yoga. Just it, it's time consuming. I don't like stretching. It hurts. I don't like lifting. It's heavy. So those are the two things that are really missing from Agreed. like my personal training, uh, as far as all that goes, like lifting, lifting is good for, you know, uh, preventative, like maintenance is good for recovery. The same with stretching, like the more flexible you are, the less likely you are to tear something or get hurt. Um, and then also when you're sore and stiff and <laughs> you need to bend down and touch your toes, but you can't like you should try because stretching is good for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I also noticed you guys have been incorporating um, sauna yeah. into it. I think that's a good recovery tool as well with heat shock proteins and all that. We have a sauna in our basement and it's amazing. Yes, we're very fortunate there so we can jump in the sauna. Whenever. So yeah, we've got we've got Aaron out here at camp, the Florida ice man. And he keeps trying to get me to jump in ice and I am so insanely like cold uh sensitive cold sensitive like it's like if it's below 75 degrees like i am freezing i hate ice like it makes me want to kill people i told somebody there ah, it made me want no, to no. shoot babies ah. and aj won't let me say it anymore. <laughs> but like it's i don't like ice at all so you're un you're avoiding an uncomfortable situation that seems kind of odd for somebody who's, who's so good at jujitsu getting hit by a semi truck is also uncomfortable <laughs> But there's no benefit to getting hit by a semi truck. Have, there you, is, have you tried it? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, that, okay. I haven't. The research shows. I, I haven't. Um, show, show me some statistics. He on did. That. We did have Aaron up for our team yeah. training, and we did ice baths then and everything. Um, and we are going to do one. I, think, I am going to do it. Yeah. Well, wait. You guys are going to do one today because Phil <gasps> is not going to do it today. Never, <laughs> He's do it too. He tried I'm, an ice bath. I'm, so I'm right. I'm right with together. James on this. Yeah, I'll do, do it with James. Okay. okay. As soon as James Deal. does it, Deal. just kidding, because he are might you? be he might be messing with me. I'm not even going to commit to that. It's not happening. Yes, you already did it. Got to. Now you've already said it. You've already said we will film it. We will put it on our Instagram, folks. All right. Uh, all right. If Phil does it, I'll do it. How's that? No, 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 no. No. <laughs> That's not how it works. That's not how it works. You and I, you and I are doing the ice. We will today. watch. I'll drink the hot coffee while you get in the ice. <laughs> so uh, we do take supplements. Um, you know, we do the the uh, krill and joint warfare. We take turmeric. Um, we do extra fish oil too. Uh, so we do take some supplements and then we do some other stuff. Like, you know, we make sure to see a chiropractor. We have an amazing chiropractor, an amazing massage therapist. Um, we do a little cryo acupuncture. So we, we do, especially like if we're competition training, we up the cryo and acupuncture and stuff like that. So you do cryo? Yeah. Cryo is nowhere. Like, I don't like it. I don't like it at all, but it's, it's nowhere That's near. That's what as, I keep asking about. I would try that. Yeah. It's nowhere near as painful as the ice bath. Like, we had Aaron up we for our team uh, team training, so we took two pools, like two 10-foot pools, and filled them with 4,000 pounds of ice, and it was horribly miserable, painful. Like, I I couldn't make the two minutes, not even remotely close to it. And we had guy, other guys that were, like, in there for 20, 30, 40 minutes, like, no problem. So, But you realize, too, that after that first minute and a half, it's usually a minute and a half to two minutes, that's when everything stops hurting after no. that no. it does it, it really does, does. i promise I you did, i did this and it does not <laughs> james almost passed out 
in there. Like it was, yeah. I'm super cold sensitive. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, plus and, it's not and, fun. And so, <laughs> so, so I, so, so I pass that. out from the cold and then I drown. Because I sink straight to the bottom. I'm sure there were people that would that would have And then Jeff takes you. you back. Yeah. I mean, he finally got it. So <laughs> maybe they're like, oh, look, James is really getting into it. He's underwater. <laughs> he's doing the... <laughs> he's been under there for three minutes. God, he can hold his breath a long time. <laughs> he's doing the breathing method. So we, uh, we talk a little bit about the physical stuff. What do you do for like mental... Uh, You've been doing it for, so if you've been a black belt for 12 years, you've been doing it for like 20 something years. Yeah, 20, so like, is the question like burnout or burnout or, you know, boredom or other stuff coming up that schedule problems that people run into where it's like, oh, I can't train. And now I'm only coming once a week. You know, you see it with new people. I think it's going to dwindle, obviously, the more you're, you're doing it, but 20 years of doing the same thing. And just to preface that just a little bit more, and, and I was a little bit hurt by it, but Phil didn't tell me whenever he was, he was feeling like he was not into training, you know, he was not, but he was still doing it, you know, right. consistent and everything, but he didn't tell me until one day on the podcast, I'm like, why haven't you ever told me that? You know, I mean, we could figure it out, you know? Uh, um, so that's kind of why I'm interested. I haven't, Honestly, I haven't hit a law like that yet in the two and a half years, but I'm sure I will at some point in time. Uh, and my intention is just to train consistently and get through it. But but we do want to hear what you guys have to say about that because you have been training a lot longer. Yeah. Um, so honestly, it's just kind of identifying the the issue, right? Like, what what's the law for? Like, are you are you bored? Is the the class the same as always? Is it something you know external? Is it you know going through a a, a breakup or you know, job issues or whatever. So number one, you have to kind of find the source of the problem. Um, I think boredom tends to be, especially for adults, like, you know, it's like you kind of get in that pattern. It's like, well, I'm at, you know, I've got this pattern of driving to work and then going to work and then coming home and then eating at this time and then going to jujitsu. And it just becomes a part of a pattern and we get bored with that. Um, so, you know, for me, jujitsu has always been kind of my, my escape from the daily boredom. But at the same time, once that pattern starts developing, you, you, it becomes boring, right? Even though, even though it's not, not a boring activity, it kind of becomes the same as every day. So I, I change up my training constantly. Like, um, I had a guy tell me one time, he said, he goes, you're the only black belt I know that's game changes every six months. You know, because most guys, by the time they get the black belt, they have their game and that's fine. Like everybody should have their game, especially competitors. But, you know, I, I, I teach, so I, I kind of have to be familiar with all the things. So, and I like doing all the things, you know, so I, I change my game plan up. I, I, I mix it up. I start working, you know, different variations of half guard or, oh, like, yeah, I know some spider guard stuff, but I don't use spider guard a lot. So now I'm going to try that. It becomes more challenging, becomes more fun. It becomes more problem solving. Um, so it takes the boredom out of it. And I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing I do personally, as far as, you know, that, that training boredom goes is just kind of change it up. Just keep it, you know, keep it moving, keep it going. And then obviously when I have a tournament or something, I focus, right? right? So I'm like, okay, like we, I got to stop playing. I got to stop messing around with the white belts now. And, um, you know, I, I, I might've said it before, but like, I always give the, uh, the like, Hey, I'm not mad at you speech, right? Like if I'm training hard, like if you roll with me, it's not going to be fun for you. And, you know, there are definitely comp trainings where I'm like, I'm not rolling with James today. Like, <laughs> I know that, you know, he's going to murder me. And so it's, you know, just sometimes it's just like, well, okay. Um, and I think, you know, talking about the tournament aspect, like having 
a goal is a good thing too. Like that kind of keeps you from getting, um, burnout is like a focus on what it is and it doesn't have to be competing. Um, we talked about a little bit last night. Um, but we had a girl that, so it actually started with the goal was a hundred rolls and a bunch of different women were posting about it. And I was like, let's break this down. Let's do the math. Cause I want to math everything out. How many times a week do you train? Okay. So if it's three days a week or four days a week, whatever, how many rounds are you getting per night? Well, you have to get this many if you're going to hit a hundred in the month. So I want to math it out so that you don't just come and do one or two rounds and expect to still make it to a hundred. Um, so a weekend she was like, I think I can hit 150. And so she upped it to 150 and she did make it. And you know, she had all these excuses going into it, like mm-hmm. thinking that she couldn't train that much. Her kids would get bored at the school and you know, what would they have for dinner? Cause she wouldn't be making dinner every night and that kind of stuff. Um, where instead she found out that a lot of that wasn't legit. Like her kids were great at the school. They started meal prepping. So she was like, I feel so much better because I'm eating better because we're meal prepping instead of just going out to dinner, you know? Um, and then she was happy. She got to know a lot of her teammates better because she was keeping track of who she was rolling with. So she realized she rolled with her husband mostly. (laughs) Um, but you know, she would, she would go, Hey, I've, I've got to get a seventh round in tonight you know, would you roll with me? What's your name? I'm Valerie, you know, like, um, so there were lots of benefits to it and it was just about like having a goal. So then, uh, after that, like me and one of my training partners and best friend Risser, we were like, um, you know, we're going to set goals for like how many submissions we want throughout the month. And then once we get through that, we're going to do like, okay, we want this many loop chokes this month. And we're going to focus on like one submission or, you know, like a couple that are, you know, probably loop choke and wild blast because that's our combo you know Mm -hmm. um and like how many we want that month so it just kind of makes it fun again like if you're not going if if competition isn't the thing you're going to do in the near future then it's more about like just setting an interesting goal and seeing you know like how many did you get tonight how many did you get you know it's kind of funny because it's sort of what ended up happening was for me it was just constantly focused on be on top stay on top or sweep to get on top yeah. And just never be in the closed guard anymore. Like stop it. And just, that's kind of naturally what ended up happening. Yeah. That's okay. funny. You just, you gotta, you gotta change it up. And I think going in with a, with a game plan, like James talks a lot about game plans, but you know, if you're just going in and just doing jujitsu all the time, then it becomes very much the same thing. But if you go in with a game plan, no matter what that game plan is, it makes it more interesting. You're paying more attention. You're more interested in the results. How much does she feel she improved after that? Cause I heard the podcast, but I don't know if there was an update on it. Yeah. Um, I think that she, I think most of it was in her self-confidence really. Cause she got, she also got her blue belt that month. Okay. So that was kind of cool, you know? Um, which was just a thing that she didn't expect to just, you know, was part of it. Um, but I think most of it was in mental, like, that she could do more than she thought she could. Okay. And, you know, you guys kind of hit, hit on it, uh, training with purpose. And we, you know, we always, we constantly on the podcast so that we're kind of held accountable for them. Right. We, we set goals for our training. Like we, you know, I've been working a lot on half guard. I've been working a lot on back defense. Um, you know, things that kind of go along with my game and, and trying to, trying to get in different positions than the ones I'm normally in. Um, along those lines, what, what's something that let's say, 
and because of our audience and they're mostly white, blue, you know, people who are learning to do jujitsu uh, and, and haven't been doing it for a really long time. What's some advice that you could give them for for the goal setting and training with purpose? Hmm. Yeah, anything? Um, I mean, even if so, I recently went and did privates with every one of my girls. Uh, I, I personally paired them up so that they were kind of close in size or experience or whatever. And then we sat down and we wrote out game plans. Um, and even if they were brand new and all they knew was an Americana and you know, like, so, okay, well from side control, you're doing an Americana and from Mount, you're doing an Americana and you know, like, (laughs) um, so we just, and then if they had questions about things, we ran through what that was. Um, but I think even from a very beginner, beginner level you can still have a game plan of things you want to focus on yeah the less things you know the easier it is to focus on them yeah. like that makes a lot of sense yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you usually recommend like if you're coming up with a game plan for somebody who's pretty mm-hmm. new would you go more by like body type stuff or would you encourage them to go after and do what you know if they're like i like this would you push them towards what they like doing yeah. more or what you yeah, think they'll be successful with a little bit of both so okay normally toward what they like, right? Because they're, they're going to, they're going to explore that more just right. naturally. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then there's going to be body type stuff. Like if the guy's 300 pounds and five feet tall and he wants to do triangles all day long, I'm going to go, just, okay, let me see your triangle. Okay. We're not doing that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's not the best move for you. Like let, let's wait on that one. Right. Um, cause you, the thing is with, with your game plan and with training, you have to have a level of success or it, sucks real bad like agreed (laughs) right right? that's true like if i know i know three moves and i've never ever hit one of them on anyone ever and i've been training for six months like that's very discouraging so you know you've got to have some some realistic techniques that you know so maybe work with the body type um but at the same time they have to want to to do it they want they have to want to explore it they have to kind of be drawn to that technique or that uh, position or what have you. And even be able to recognize it. Yeah. Right. So I can't tell somebody that they should be doing a certain technique if they don't see, Oh, the arms right there. I yeah. That. <laughs> That's interesting. We, we were talking about like a similar question uh, with John Plyler, our professor when he was on and he said something that I thought was really interesting and I found to be really true, but he was like, you know, you'll, you'll find your technique that you want. Like, like it's going to find you. You don't have to go look for which one you like. It's going to find you and you're going to gravitate towards that and start working from there. And I, I did that with like cross jokes and triangle stuff. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Nice. So, um, so being multiple school owners now with endurance and Indiana Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, um, you know, we, we've had the privilege of meeting your students this week, uh, Jen, Dan, all those folks. It was. It's been Daniel. Dan. Oh, it's Daniel. Daniel. Yeah. Don't call him Dan. I called him Dan. <laughs> I know. I'm not a Dan. <laughs> he, doesn't, he does not like that. And it was Doug, right? Because Doug warmed Doug? Me out yep. last night. Doug's good, up. good. He said you guys had a good, He's, good role. That was yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then our guy Mac was here too, but he only did half week. Okay, I don't understand that. But listen, we're going to move on from yeah. that. Because <laughs> he was that's, sad about it once he got here. He really of course, he, everyone's <laughs> sad about it if they only do one session. Go f- If you're going to Origin Immersion Jiu-Jitsu Camp, sign up for the whole week because you're going to regret it if you don't yep. when you get here. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and session B sucks because everything's out of stock. <laughs> we 
we've already bought session A buys all the things. <laughs> You're right about that. Man, they 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 kept the uh, the Jocko white tea and the the go. They kept it stocked this time though. The like, whole last time year we drank Man. it all before session, session B, B got none up. last year. And we were, you know, speaking of that, we were down uh, doing the ice bass. They have pallets of that downstairs still. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so we're not going to run out. out. Right. I'm going to rent a U-Haul. Sneaking <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the middle of the night. So, so you know, one thing that, that one of your students said that you guys were really good at was how you deal with different personalities and different attitudes in an environment to keep a positive training environment that you guys facilitate. Tell us a little about that. For me, I'm very much a, I love you where you are. Like that's, I've, I've always said that that's who I am. Um, I had a girl once tell me that, you know, like she was going through a rough time and she's like, I'm sorry, I'm not my normal, like bubbly, uplifting self. And I was like, I don't need you to be anything for me. Like you don't have to be any personality or you know whatever for me. Um, I'm going to love you where you are. I'm going to help you improve, but I'm going to love you where you are. So as far as our students go, I really, you know, I push them, of course, but I appreciate where they are, whether they're there for just self-defense or for confidence or they want to compete or it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm there for your journey. It's your journey. Um, if you want to change that journey, I'll help you find the way to do that. But that's, I guess, how I personally navigate it. Yeah. I mean, every, everyone has something going on in their life at any given moment, like it, especially when you have, you know, you get 300 people, very few of those people are 100% happy all day long, yeah. every day, all, all at a given time. So you just have to understand that like everyone's going through something at some point and just kind of be there for them. And, you know, jujitsu's jujitsu's there for all of us. And yeah, it's, it's the thing that they're doing for something positive. So, yeah. you know, and we, we come together, it doesn't matter. Like, Jiu-Jitsu is the great equalizer. The mats don't care. You know, the mats don't care what your race or religion or anything like that is. So, um, you know, we just... Yeah, it's, it's everyone's in there sharing the love for the same thing, so... And I always say that Jiu-Jitsu builds trust extremely fast. You know, like, that's how we have such close relationships is because you're going to choke me. Yeah. And I'm going to tap and then you'll let go. <laughs> so there's, like, this instant trust that, like, my life is in your hands and you're going to let go when I ask you to, and we move on, you know? Um, so you get really, really close relationships quickly through jujitsu. So that helps too. Uh, I was training with Josh Hanger one time, uh, and I was showing him the Von Flute choke and like he tapped and I, I jokingly was like, Nope, I'm, this is my chance, you know? And, and he was like, Oh, 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 oh. he's like, Hey, like there's like a, I can't, man, he called it like a, something like an agreement of trust yeah. and he's like he's like you don't break the agreement of trust in, in jujitsu yeah. he's like a tap is a tap and i was like yeah you know obviously like i was joking but yeah. but yeah it was just it was cool to hear that from somebody else you know he's like whoa like tap tap means stop, means stop. and you know even even day one like we we explain the what the tap is to new people and you know we tell them like uh, even if you think someone tapped stop right like if you don't know like maybe their hand got caught like you have no idea why somebody taps sometimes. Like I had a guy tap last night cause his toe got caught in my, my band. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh. We, we, we're all wearing bracelets at origin camp, like the little rubber ones. And I could tell it wasn't my sleeve, but I knew something was going on, but he was just like, stop, stop, stop. And so I just froze and he's like, can I get that toe out of there? I'm like, 
Yes. <laughs> and That's why like, I'm wearing yeah, two. Yeah, I took right it now. off and I threw it at AJ. I was like, get this off of me right now. But uh, but yeah, you know, I was like, oh, I'm not, I was in his guard. I'm like, obviously, I'm not tapping him out. Like, But he tapped and we stopped and then we reset and everything was good. Yeah. So. And along those lines, you know, we do share our personal space, right? I mean, and, and there's a lot to, you know, probably not enough credit given to that connection we get with people whenever we're, we're touching them. Cause we're, you know, right. it, well, if you're a white belt, you might not have all your hands and feet on people, but you should, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but we're constantly, we're constantly gripping. We're constantly touching. And I think that that's something that, that, um, that's very important that most people that don't do jujitsu might not get enough of. And, uh, and so I think that does build that, that, that intimacy and that, and that trust and, and those, you know, you've, you've all seen the memes, you know, you have a jujitsu shirt on and you're immediately friends, right? Yeah. I mean, did we just become best friends? <laughs> right. That's the one. That's the one. And, and so, yeah, I think that, I think that there's a lot to that and, and, uh, I'm grateful for it in my life for sure. Coming to Origin Camp, we made friends at the airport. Uh, we stopped at Cracker Barrel because we thought we'd eat there. I made a friend there. And then we went to Chipotle. I made three friends there because they all had on jujitsu shirts yeah. all coming to camp. I'm like, oh, we're friends. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So so Phil and I were talking uh, whenever we were prepping for this. And, and something that I'm, I'm not good at um, is... Jiu-jitsu? Yeah, Well, that... <laughs> That, although I'm going to go here because folks, I'm going to give you a tip on how to get out of James Clearman's, uh, loop choke. Cause I've got it perfected, oh, man. This was I, really I, good. No, I've got, I've got this is, pr- I mean, yeah, right. No, I mean, you, it's going to work every yeah, time, every time, but you got to first have the setup, right? I also, the, I also want to take partial credit for this uh, and I'll explain why. After. <laughs> yeah. So, so the first part of the equation is he has to have a new gi on. Okay. Brand okay. new. Brand Wait, new. James or someone else? No. No, no, James, no, James. no. You don't. James it doesn't matter what gi you have on to okay. get out of this loop. This, this oh, technique okay. works in, in no gi as long as, D- as James is wearing a gi. Yeah. Right, well, right, right. You can be. Well, yes. I can't loop choke. Can't loop You're choke. From yeah, I yeah, lied. Yeah. This okay. is why I'm not very good. <laughs> Maybe a hoodie. Phil's not good at loop choke. You <laughs> 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 need to work on this. So the, the secret technique is that you cut your head shaving the night before because then whenever he gets you in a loop choke it scrapes the scab off <laughs> and then it gets blood all over his new gi and he immediately lets go before i was even ready to tap <laughs> <laughs> that's almost true <laughs> so it wasn't the blood on the gi that made me let go it was the blood spurting from the top of your head all over the mats <laughs> that made me let go because i wanted to check on your well-being either way success on my part and last year during your, when you were showing the Von Flew, it was Nogi and he didn't shave his head and his stubble was just, I mean, it was just tearing it up. <laughs> this is the worst, the worst thing he ever has done to me. He was like, no, he was like, no, the choke's not on, but the stubble on your head is killing, killing my bicep. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to the question of the question, and that is. I'm really bad. So every time after, you know, our professor, John Plyler, he shares a technique. He says, are there any questions? I don't have any questions because I haven't drilled the move. Right. right. I mean, like, like, like maybe if it's one that I'm familiar with and I want to add something, but I don't think of those things 
right then. Yeah. You know, and then and the technique evi- doesn't fall apart until you try it. Right. Right. Yeah. And then inevitably it's like, I get two or three reps in and I'm like, <laughs> you yeah. know, right. or I'll wait or I'll wait till we reconvene and he, you know, tightens up whatever it is that, yeah. that the detail is that he's seeing everybody do wrong. How it, I have a problem asking thoughtful questions because first off, I don't want to be the guy that's the, but what if guy, right? Right. Because there's, 7,000 butt what ifs. And if you're listening and you're out there and if you're the what if guy, stop it. Or what if girl, don't care. Stop it. James has a great answer for that, first of all. So I hate what if questions. Right. On a a low level, right? On a a low level. Like if if you know the technique, if you're you're familiar with the position, then then we can go into what ifs. But when I'm showing a brand new person a basic arm bar and they say, well, what if he pulls out of it? It's a simple answer. They won't. They never will. And the reason they never will is because you don't know the armbar to go for the armbar in the first place. So you need to learn step one and apply step one before they're going to defend that and we can move on to step two. That is a great answer. But stop asking what if people. <laughs> yeah. So on the line of how, because you, I know you, I noticed you asking questions. I noticed you asking questions, AJ. What, what, and maybe it's just me and maybe I'm just, you know, do you think it's just experience? I do. I really do. Like James spends like every now and then we'll do a week of just Q and a, and it's my favorite. Like we just, you know, ask whatever questions. But nobody whatever ever asks on. questions. But it's always purple belts and above yeah. almost. Yeah. It's always questions. a higher level. So guys. what I've noticed is at the end of the sparring class, John will line us up and will say, what do you have questions with? That's the only time I can really think of questions. Cause I'm like, all right, I got swept four times yeah. Yeah. the same way, you know? And that's the best time for me to ask a question because it's going to fix what's immediately wrong. Right. But a lot of times when I'm getting instruction, they'll show that they'll show it like two or three times. And then they're, they're going to explain to me all the things I'm going to mess up, which I promptly do. And then by the time I go to do it, I'm like, I forgot it. I don't remember what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it makes sense that it's hard to ask questions in the moment because you haven't tried it yet you don't know um but just questions in general i think often comes with experience right it's it's you start seeing you know you don't know what you don't know kind of things when you're younger or you know younger jujitsu i guess um but so like as you progress and people all the time i'll ask the most questions in class and they're like you live with him (laughs) like (laughs) how do you have the most questions i'm like well and i think uh keeping a notebook is huge for that because if you got swept four times that night and you didn't get a chance to ask the question, you take the note on it. Mm-hmm. So then when you do have the chance to ask the question, you can be like, hey, this keeps happening. I keep getting swept. This is what I'm doing. How can I fix it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's great advice. And, I, and it's something that I've got to work on, um, you know, just personally. Trying to, because I benefit from everybody else's questions, you right. know. I feel like I'm yeah. not. I feel like I'm not contributing in that respect, yeah. you know, it, it, to to have a thoughtful question. But I'd rather, you know. It's also like it's funny because you know I tour with James for all his seminars, um, and so sometimes my questions are ones that I know the class should be asking, yeah. but they're not. Like Some just of, just to clarify, are you doing this? <laughs> you know, like yeah. I know I've seen it, you know, a million times. But some of the upper belts, you can tell are doing that yeah. with stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Charlie does that a lot. Yes, yeah. for sure. Um, so, so next, what is a question that nobody asks you that you feel like they should ask? Oh man, 
We're such open books. I feel like yeah. if they're not asking, we're just telling. <laughs> That's a good question. So it's that question. Yeah. It's that question. That's the question, the question that no, no one yes. asks. Thank you, Jen. Best question ever. <laughs> Stumped us. That was hers. But <laughs> along that same same vein uh, of questions, since we've obviously gone off on that pathway, <laughs> is that what would each of you tell your white belt selves if you had a chance to go back in time? Well, I'll I'll take it from I my regrets, right? So I don't tend to have regrets in life really, but I always say like my two biggest regrets, I used to always say my biggest regret was not competing enough as a white belt. I really wish I would have competed more as a white belt. Um, nobody cares, you know what the outcome is. It's, there's no pressure. It's just go out there and get the experience. And to be honest, I was a white belt for 13 years. So I had plenty of opportunity. (laughs) That's not true. I mean, I was a white belt for 13 years, but I didn't really train consistently during that time. Um, but I wish I would have competed more as a white um, my new regret is more, uh, not taking care of myself when I get injured. So, you know, I'll have an injury and be like, it's fine. Let's just keep going instead of going, okay, I need to take a break. I need to, you know, not train hard. Um, I had herniated a disc in my back and still did like, uh, three tournaments at worlds and, um, origin camp and everything you know like I just I had I did too much and then ended up a week in bed not being able to get up so um I think I would tell my white belt self to compete more and to respect my body more listen to your body yeah I think that's great advice yeah that's always always good advice uh me personally uh, I came from the era of hoist gracie right the the no time limit you can just kind of hang out and chill and somebody's eventually going to fall into a submission and, you know, just, you don't, you don't have to force anything and every jujitsu is laid back and you just, just go with the flow. And, and I wish I really would have started in more of a wrestler mindset. I never wrestled or played any other sports before this. So I wish that, uh, I would have just been taught like, Hey, go smash this guy and just go as hard and fast as you can. Right. Which is Oddly enough, right? It's the That's opposite. Very interesting. It's yeah. the opposite uh, advice I normally give guys, but for my my personality type, because it took I was always a, like a, a counter fighter. Even when I kickbox and stuff, I would like wait for guys to start punching at me, and then I would slip and I would move and I would try to like you know intercept <laughs> like <laughs> like you know JKD or whatever. But like I was always a counter fighter, and it and it kind of put me behind you know when you're when you're when you're starting as a counter fighter you're you're automatically behind like the other guy always goes first um and i wish not not necessarily that i would just go hard all the time but like that i would have kind of had that more aggressive mindset like get get to where you want to be finish and i struggle with that a lot like especially with guard passing like i feel like um i've had a couple people tell me like i start to do a guard pass and i have a moment and then i like reassess or think and they adjust and right. it's gone and I, I don't go get it. Yeah. I think that goes back to the game plan again too. You know, like, exactly. cause I'm not doing any guard pass. I'm doing my two guard passes and no matter what guard you put me in, I am putting you in the position I want to do my pass. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. So then like, I, I don't have to think about like, okay, I started to go for this one. Is that the one I want? No, let's go for this one. No, is that, you know, like I'm not questioning it in the middle of it. I'm yeah. Like, I'm moving to put you in that place. So that I can do my pass. Makes sense. Um, 
Also, we were wondering, um, I saw a post that John put up a while back and I thought it was interesting. So I don't know if you can think of any off the top of your head, but it's just kind of about habits, whether it's training or otherwise, but things you, you notice and you see, you know, brown belts and, and black belts doing that white belts, blue belts either don't know to do or don't think to do. And whether it's while drilling or training or whatever, just things they do differently other than being good at it. I think they drill with intention. You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of new people, they come in, they see the move and they go, okay, I'm going to do like a couple reps of that. I'm going to play with it while, you know, until coach tells us to switch and then they come in and they're like kind of meandering through the move and, oh, my hand goes here. Okay. And they're putting zero thought into any of it, except like they're kind of getting the gist of the body movement, but they're not putting themselves in the the scenario, right? Whereas like when I show a move to a brown belt, he's automatically going, okay, so the guy's trying to choke me. I'm in a tournament. I'm in a fight, whatever. And, and they're, they're, they're automatically kind of role playing as they go. And so they're, they're putting themselves in a, in a more realistic scenario in their head as they're drilling the move on the bottom side too. Right. So not necessarily bottom, but like the, so, um, James taught at our women's camp and there was one move where no one was getting it and they weren't getting it because the person not doing the move wasn't moving their body right. Like they yeah. weren't, they, you know, like they weren't defending the Kimura. They were just like, well, if you don't defend it, then I can't do this. So um, both sides of that, not just like drilling it as the, you know, actually drilling, but the person on the bottom that's defending or whatever, moving like a person would move in a match. So not like fighting don't, but don't be a dead fish. Right. Don't be a dead fish. Don't just lay there. I'm like, um, and then also I see a lot, um, where, you know, maybe we're working a pass, um, and then trim back to guard or something like that. And people, people will do, um, they'll do the thing one time and then they'll get up and they'll fix their gi and they'll fix their hair or whatever. And then they do it again instead of keeping that constant contact and thinking about drilling from both sides. Yeah, agreed. And it's something that I find that the more experience that I get with jujitsu, I do what you, you do. And from early on, Phil and I have always been of this mindset is that whenever it's time to drill the move, I want to make sure that I'm getting the most reps of that move yeah, of exactly. anyone in the class. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really beneficial to, um, I'm not going to say accelerate your learning, but it, the more times you do it, right. if you do it 10,000 yeah. times, if you get in four extra reps every time, you're going to be better at that move yeah. in a shorter amount of time. Yeah. Right. It's not, the, it's the same amount of reps. It's just a shorter amount of time. Yeah. I make, I make our guys do math constantly. Like, I'll go, okay, guys, like, I want you to count how many reps you get, right? And I won't tell them why. And I'll set the timer for three or four minutes, wh whatever it may be. And I'll go, okay, how many reps did you get? And they're like, four. And I'm like, okay, let me do this move. I want you to count. And I'll do the move. I'm like, how long did that take me? They're like, three seconds. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you should have got 60 reps in there. <laughs> right. And, and that's what I do. I'm like, okay, so three seconds. How many of those can you do in one minute then? And they're like... 20 okay and we went for four minutes so how many should you have gotten yeah 80 okay and you did four mm -hmm. like what's wrong with the scenario here what what are you doing wrong like even even with a little transition period like you should still be at 40 or so so like people just don't use their time wisely right so we have a, a term I actually got it from hoist gracie um 
no barbecuing, right? So no wasting time, no social gathering during class. Don't sit around and talk. When you're told to drill, you drill. And when you're drilling, no dead space. Like you do the move, you do the move, you do the move. Don't do the move. Fix your hair, fix your belt, talk to your friend. Like just do it and do it with intent. Um, but yeah, so the, the no barbecuing story real quick. I guess I should back that up with a, <laughs> with a story. So 1998, I believe. It was either early 98, late 97. I think it was 98. Um, I was with Hoist in a seminar. There's probably 100 people in the room. I don't know. A lot. And, you know, he shows a move and he comes over and he's like fixing one of my grips or something. And, and I had noticed this group of like six or seven guys sitting around chit-chatting which was super weird to me, you know, like I came from like judo and Japanese jiu-jitsu and done some karate and stuff. And there just, there was none of that ever, you know? And I was like, what are these guys doing? Mm-hmm. And so I'm, you know, I'm drilling my move and hoist kind of stops. He's like, hold on James. And he walks over and he like stands over these guys and they're just talking. Like they don't even acknowledge him. And he goes, guys. And they're all like, Oh, and, you know, and you kind of like scared him. And, and uh, he says, what are you doing? Looks like you're having a barbecue train. And I just, you know, I was in earshot and I was like, Oh, that's awesome. So, so like, on our list of rules, it says no barbecuing. Yeah. I like it. I think competition too can help with that. Like, um, I had a girl, Jordan compete, uh, at worlds and, um, she came to me afterwards and she was like, jujitsu is no longer a social hour for me. I'm ready to like, take it seriously. And she's been training two years. Maybe. Yeah. Just got her blue belt. Yeah. And- so it was just cool. Like that it, then seeing the bigger picture, she had this realization of like, okay, probably I've been talking too much, been goofing off too much. It's time to train. And I think your whole approach to competing, I, I really like it and that you encourage it a lot. Um, I compete anyway. Like I can't play video games if I'm not beating or trying to beat another person I, i'm not interested right. yeah. um i i'm already drawn to that naturally but i think your points of saying you know if you train for self-defense and if you guys want to talk about that i think that's all great because i think it's super true i mean yeah maybe not everything is legal and you can't punch the guy in the face but at the same time like i've never had an adrenaline reaction like my first competition exactly which has improved a lot so yeah i really like you guys approach to competing like and that's specifically why i asked you the question because i i no, you don't. But you know, when you were talking to somebody and they're just dead set against not competing, we kind of all can figure why, but I'm like, do you care if people win? You know, I think it was really impressive. I think we talked that guy into competing last night. Yeah. Really I mean, if you remember, he was like, Oh, I'm going to compete. Yeah. And just to, just to set up, um, what we were just talking about it was uh, one of the grapplers here at camp and uh he was stuck you know he was asking about promotion he's a four strike blue belt and you know um james i'd love for you to go into those six pillars because i think that was uh, really enlightening and listen folks the, the real answer is don't worry about the belt it's a piece of cloth that holds your gi together I mean, it's going to come. I think, I think we've seen enough people around enough time to know that if you just keep training consistently, those things will come. But these, what people are looking for, and every professor is different. I mean, right? There's a lot of similarities, yeah, you know, in, in, in all of this. And crazy enough, it seems to work. You know, it seems like, seems like whenever you're rolling with somebody, you know what they are, you know? And so, uh, if you would just talk a little bit about those six pillars. Yeah, for sure. So, um, everybody always asks like, what do you look for in promotion? Um, and I tell them, so I've got four main pillars and then kind of two like secondary pillars, I guess. 
Uh, and it's pretty simple. It's, uh, it's, it's level of knowledge. How well do you know the technique? How, how many techniques do you know? Um, time in. How well do you roll with your peers in class? And how well do you compete? So if one of those pillars is weak, the other three need to be stronger. And, and what I was telling that guy, and as soon as I said, how well do you compete? He was like, oh, yeah. And he started like <laughs> groaning and making all these noises. And he's like, basically was like, I would never be your student. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Not that he said that, but that was kind of the attitude. And I was like, hold on, like, <laughs> give me a minute. So it's, it's always, almost always competition that is either the weak pillar or it's the strong pillar, right? You have some guys that they're not super technical, but they're monsters on the mat. They move well, they crush. Maybe they came from a wrestling or a judo background. And so if you're, I mean, if you're out there and you're winning blue belt worlds we're, and other tournaments, so I, that's also another thing. I don't look at like, like if you win worlds, that's awesome. That's a tournament. Can you also win the local tournament? Can you also win this other tournament? You know? Um, so just because something's worlds doesn't make it like the end all be all right. Um, you know, we have, we've got guys, uh, my guy, Joel, he's a six time world champion and he's been tapped out at our local tournament so many times. It's not, you know, and he's just like, what in the world? And it's like, well, this small local tournament, that is some guys, that is some guys worlds. It's the only tournament they get to do. Mm -hmm. So they train like, like it's, you know, Abu Dhabi. When it's, you know, the ego in right. Indiana, you know? Right. Um, but so it's always that, that tournament thing that's either really strong or really weak. But, you know, if you don't compete at all or maybe you just don't compete well, then the other three have to be stronger. It might take you a little bit longer. Your level of knowledge should be a little bit higher, right? Um, if you don't roll well, you know, we've got guys that are, are 60s. They're not in their they start when they're 60s. I don't expect those guys to be able to roll well. But what I do expect, I expect them to be able to show a, a new person how to do the moves. You know, I expect their level of understanding of the technique to be to be pretty high before they move on to that next belt. And it's going to take them a little longer naturally, right? Um, so uh, five and six, five, I, I, I kind of added, honestly, as I started getting older because I realized like, oh, I, I'm not going to be able to like you know, stay, stay healthy forever. Like there's going to be a point where I peak and then everything's downhill from there. <laughs> and so it's just, but it's continual improvement. Right. So that might be, that might be physical. That might be emotional. That might be, uh, and well, it definitely is technique. Like if you're doing jujitsu, your jujitsu should be getting better in some aspect. Now it might slow down. Obviously like when I was a white belt and knew nothing, my first six months, it was like my jujitsu skyrocketed, right? And there's there's always peaks and valleys. But now that I'm a black belt, I'm fairly good at jujitsu. My jujitsu, like, there's not going to be a lot of like skyrocket moments for me. There's not going to be a lot of like giant climbs in my skill level. Um, most of the time, it's just it's me getting older and, and weaker and going downhill. And, <laughs> but and, continual improvement. Yeah, but 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 I can I can. So what can I do, right? Me personally. I can, I can sharpen my understanding of the things I already know. I can continue to learn new techniques. I can continue to learn how to teach better, how to, how to you know, get my message across better, how to work with different body types. I can, I can just get a better understanding of, of how to work a room. And, you know, by, by going out teaching seminars, teaching class, like, I, you know, I, I know most other, like, not most, but a lot of other black belts that own academies don't teach at their own academies. They have blue and purple belts do it. Like, 
I teach almost every single jujitsu class at my academy morning and night. Um, so because that's what I'm doing, that's what I want to get better at doing. So, yeah, no, I think those are great. Sixth pillar. He didn't give the sixth one. Oh, Oh, don't be a douchebag. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Moral moral compass. Moral compass. Important. Uh, super important pillar. Um, so, so guys, thanks again. This is the third time for each of you. You're on episode <laughs> seven together, uh, episode 37 with Beauty okay. and the Gee, co-streaming. Yeah, that, yeah. Was that was AJ and Jen. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you guys out there haven't heard of Beauty and the Gee podcast, go and download it and share it with your friends, just like you would the BJJ campaign podcast. And, um, and then James, you were on a uh, recent the episode. Day, yeah. That's right, a little, I, a little I forced cameo. My, I forced myself in. A little cameo. cameo. I like it. The uh, <laughs> door was locked and everything. I was like, <laughs> "Let me in." <laughs> and you guys have uh, Indiana Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Endurance BJJ. Yes. In what? Uh, They're both both in the Indianapolis area. Both in Indiana. Greenwood and Zionsville, Indiana. And uh, AJ, you run an all women's camp. I do. Um, we've run six camps. Up to now, uh, where we have our seventh one, May 1st through the 3rd, 2020. That's hard to say. 2020. Um, we have some really amazing instructors coming in that have not been announced yet, but will soon be announced on Beauty and the Gee. Huge. Wait, you can't Huge. give an exclusive BJJ campaign announcement of one of them? Oh, no. Man. One? <laughs> Jim said no. Um, <laughs> what I will say is that Rachel Casillas will be back. She's taught at all uh, six of my camps previous. Excellent. She's a world champion, pan champion, multiple times. Um, so she'll be back. Um, but then we have some really, really big names coming in too. Um, but yeah, so we'll we'll open up registration for that fairly soon yep. uh, uh, on had, the Fight Hub. We had Emily Kwok at this most recent one. Had yep. 160 girls. Yeah, 160 and women there. We had to shut registration. We shut registration down at 60, and then at 70, and then at 80, and then we had we were like, okay, we have to move locations, <laughs> and so we opened it up, and we were like, okay, we got to we got to cap it at 160, and we hit like, man, it sold out so fast. It, it was awesome. Are you thinking about expanding it? Or are you still going to do 160? Yes. Nope, we're gonna we we're already in uh, talks with a bigger place. Um, getting that all finalized, and so I think probably we'll hit. 220 is what we'll have to cap it out for this one. So folks, if get in on that early registration, uh, for sure. And there's going to be a, a code BJJ campaign podcast code. It won't get you anything, but you can put it in anyway. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see what it can get you. Maybe we can, maybe that can be (laughs) that. But yeah, so May 1st through the 3rd, uh, and that's role model, uh, like R O L L. That's a role model women's only grappling camp. So excellent. And there's nothing better than jujitsu camp. Nothing. hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, anything else, James for you? Uh, nope, nope. Um, got a couple of DVDs coming out. So we own, we also own the fight hub. So we produce some DVDs. I've got some of my own. Um, and then we, we've worked with like Josh Hinger, Chris Wood, Monsey, um, Tom McMahon, Marcella Cohen, Tim Sled. So we've, we've done some uh, DVDs with some other guys. Uh, we've got one with Chris Noonan coming out. I'm actually pretty excited about the Cararina, the small chair. What is it? Small chair. Little, little, little chair. Little yeah. chair. That's what it means. Um, but it's uh, kind of something exciting. Uh, we've got another one that we've already filmed with uh, Marcella Cohen. We've got a dual disc that we filmed with Christian Woodmonsey. 
I just filmed a high collar passing DVD. So I've got a lot of editing to do. And then we <laughs> are after origin camp, we're going to drive down to Boston where Christian and I are actually filming another DVD for BJJ fanatics. And then I will be filming a shin across stomach sweep system DVD for BJJ fanatics. You guys are busy. Yes. Phil, tell the audience how they can help support us if they choose to. BJJCampaignPodcast.com, t-shirts, patches, and then the Facebook group uh, on Facebook.com slash BJJCampaignPodcast. And if you have to ask to join the group, just send me or Jeff a friend request and we'll get you in. Also, Instagram, BJJCampaignPodcast. We're we're posting plenty of uh, pictures on there from this week's Origin Immersion Camp. And last, and you'll also see blood spurting out of Jeff's head. <laughs> true, true story. And on James Key. Uh, and if you're uh, not out there doing something each and every day to make yourself better, get out there and do it. Phil, AJ, James, myself, we all choose jujitsu. We hope you do too. This episode of the BJJ Campaign Podcast is brought to you by Speed Pro East Bay in Alameda, California, in the heart of the San Francisco Bay Area. They're the source for premium visual solutions to spruce up your interior space. From window decals and wall murals to conference room graphics and directional signage, create a work environment that is tailored to your brand. They'll not only print your custom graphics, but do installation as well. Visit eastbayspeedpro.com. That's E-A-S-T-B-A-Y-S-P-E-E-D-P-R-O.com. And mention the BJJ Campaign Podcast for 15% off your first order. Also, Eddie is a jiu-jitsu guy, so folks, go out there and support him. I'm about to feed him to the sharks right now. Get him hyped right now. Yeah. You know the ground is up. Yeah. Everybody that trains, you know the game. Yeah. So let's get it. Uh. Slap it up, bump it, and roll. Hey. Yeah, that's the way that it goes. Right. Ain't no better way to better yourself in this game. You're feeling the growth. That's, that's time on the mat. We put in the work. Believe it ain't easy, I know. You know. But we train for the love of the game, the love of the art. Now slap it up, bump it, let's roll. Let's roll.